Father, what a wonderful Savior that you are. We come tonight to your altar where we, as the children of God, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's why we're here. Come now, Holy Spirit, as we live and we enter into and we are entering in into times that are more antagonistic than many of us have seen before. And Lord, we need the kind of truth that doesn't waver in the stormy seas and in the troubled waters. We need the kind of faith, Lord God, that would guide us and keep us, that would be a sure foundation, a true anchor to our souls that we can lean upon and know, as the great hymn writer wrote so many years ago, it is well, it is well with our souls. So Father, I pray tonight that you would come and well our souls with the truth of your word. That this great mercy that we have received by faith, through grace, trusting in Christ, that it is a true foundation. That it is the true foundation that will never be shaken, that will never go away. But it is the rock that is higher than I, higher than us, higher than any worldview that's out there. It is the true foundation of our souls. Come now, Jesus, by the power of your spirit and touch my tongue, touch my mind, my heart, my feet, my hands, and everything else a part of me. I pray that you would bring this word to, to meet everyone here under the sound of my voice. We have those who have been walking with you for a long time. And we have many of them, Lord, that are on the beginning, in, beginning stages of this walk. And they're asking, is this Jesus truly who he says he is? Can he see and know my pain? Can you see what I'm going through, what I'm experiencing? Lord, I pray that you would speak. Show them that you are a true God and a true Savior. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Please stand. Just a couple of short scriptures. And we like to do here at Urban Hope, we like to stand and give honor to the word of God. Because you don't come here for entertainment. There are a lot of churches that give you good entertainment. And I don't think church is for entertainment. Entertainment is what Hollywood does. And we're not in the Hollywood business. We're in the preaching business, the teaching of the word of God. So let's read Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing 
in the perfect will of God. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may be seated. The flower will fade. That's for sure. So will your clothing. So will your new Jordans. So will anything you have in your home. It will all pass away. But Jesus says that the word of God, it will not. It will be here forever and ever. Our vision here at Urban Hope is leading people out of Egypt and into the promised land of freedom. And that promised land is really all about worship. And all of life that you see is all about worship. We were created to worship. This is why um, the first question in the Westminster Catechism, I brought this up a couple of weeks ago. This is what that first question is trying to get at. When people ask, why do we exist? You ever just wake up in the morning, why do we exist? What's this whole thing about? Is it about boxing, football games, Auburn, Alabama, college basketball, NBA championships, or whatever it is? Is it just about that? Why did God create us? Why do we exist? Well, this catechism first question, it answers this by asking, that says, what is the chief end of man or humankind or mankind? What's the chief end? What's the point of all of this? And the catechism answers the question in the first catechism. This is when you want to teach your children. It is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's why you and I exist. That's why we were created. The word glorify means to worship. That's why when we come in, worship is more than just singing, but singing and praising God is a part of it. Giving him homage, giving him honor, and just, just letting your heart just, just marinate on who God is. Some of y'all know, you, you, I'm going to talk about this, when you own a good music song, I mean, you, you know, when you got your NBA young boy on, you pumping your fist, you throwing up gang signs and all that good stuff. I mean, you're into it. So when we come here, as Brandon was singing that song, every breath in my lungs, I praise you. You can see me, I'm lifting my hands because I'm, I'm thinking about what God has done for me, what he brought me out of. Sandra was reminding me, you know, my wife, you know, she was reminding me where I came from. You know, I got funky glasses on now, but back in the day when she met me and my glasses were broken up, I had some tape on it. I was really poor. And she said, you know, I just want to remind you of this. She said, I kind of see something on you. I said, said you don't got to go back that far. <laughs> Give me a look, Grace. But she was reminding me I was broken down to the last compound. I mean, I was broken. And my glasses were broken. I had big white duct tape on it. Man, I was poorer than a who knows. So this is why I'm praising God. I don't know about you, but for me, I can remember that I didn't have enough money, that I couldn't talk, that I stuttered. I can remember a whole lot of stuff. Why wouldn't I praise God? Why would I come in here and just fold my arms and say, you know what? I've just been good my whole entire life. I don't even understand what Pastor Hart is even talking about with all this mercy stuff. I may, I may need to lend over hope, urban hope for mercy. 
No, it's not the story. But we come in to glorify, which means to worship, to give honor, to praise him. The Greek word here in verse 2, Romans 2, the word worship is latria, and it means divine service, to serve, adoration, service, worship of God, to perform religious rites and duties. Paul says this is our true worship. But Urban Hope's vision as a church is about living out this true worship. I always say we were not made for Egypt. Egypt is the world of Genesis 3, the fall. But God created a Genesis 1 through 2 where there was no fall. And we can see what God's true original plan for all of creation. And Urban Hope's vision is to come and to lead people out of Egypt and into the promised land where we worship God. True worship and not false worship to the false God of this world. And so there's a few verses that I want to show you how true this really is as we relate to this whole vision as I get to Romans 12, 1 and 2 here today. And so my first slide I want to show you is from Exodus chapter 7. And I want to show you these words because it is vitally important to understand. Even as God told Moses to go to his people, look at this verse 7, verse 16 of Exodus. God is talking to Moses, Yahweh. The Lord says, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to tell you, this is Moses talking, let my people go. They're in Egypt. What's in Egypt? They're groaning, they're suffering, they're being oppressed, depressed, compressed, downpressed. They're in slavery, and the Pharaoh, who's the God of this world, has got them trapped in the real trap. Egypt is the trap. Pharaoh is the big God. He doesn't think there is no other God but him. And so Yahweh, the true God, is telling him, let my people go so that they may what? Worship me. In the wilderness. But so far, Pharaoh, you have not listened. Exodus 8, verse 1. Now, this is key. The last translation was the CSB, which is what we use here. But here you see the ESV. I want you to see this word. Same word, but God, but the translators is using it in a different way. And then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh. And say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. In Exodus 7, he used the word worship. But here it's the word serve. Then in Genesis chapter 2, here, you know, we're teaching in our class, at the work life class, and we and Dion. We've been breaking it down when it comes to understanding work. Why did God put work the first thing you see in Genesis? What does it mean by the word work? Well, here you see in Genesis 2.15, God's original plan for humanity. And then the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of eating. The word here is to work is the Hebrew word avad and to keep it. It's the same word that you see when God said, let my people go that they may worship me. This word of God, it's, it's the, it means um, it is used in these verses here in Genesis 
as to till, to toil, work, serve, accomplish, perform duties or services. This word is a picture of an integrated faith, a life where work and worship come from the same root word. And worship is not just about a Sunday thing, but it is about all of life. And this is why God, even in the book of Genesis, this is Adam is worshiping. Worship is not just here what we do on Sundays. Worship is all of life. This is why we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, when it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Glorify God and enjoy him to forever. All of life is about worship. But Pharaoh or Satan, or some would say called him the devil, he wants us to worship him. That's why Pharaoh doesn't want to let the people go. Pharaoh endures the worship unto himself. So the devil wants us to worship him in all of life with our bodies, with our minds, and through our deeds in service unto him. That's what you see in the whole story of Egypt to the promised land. There's this, there's this fight, Pharaoh, Satan, who's the type of, of, of Pharaoh. Satan has the people locked down in Egypt, and he doesn't want the people to come out so that they may worship God. We even see this playing out with the story of Jesus here in the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter four. Let me show it to you. The temptation of Jesus, I put temptation of Egypt, world, Pharaoh, Satan. This is why you have to read your Bible very carefully. I say that all the time. You're either worshiping God here tonight or you're in Egypt worshiping Satan, the God of this world. But look at this story here with Jesus and his temptation with Satan, the devil. And again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms, kingdom dominions of the world and their splendor. The diamonds where they at, all the gold, he says, I'm going to show it to you all where all the oil is and everything and all their splendor. And he said to him, said to Jesus, now look at this conversation. This is important. And he said to him, and I will give you all the things if you, this is what he wants. This is why this is a fight. That's why every time Dion comes up here, we're fighting for the souls of men and women in Egypt. This is not like a, just a come in. No, that devil is holding on. It's a fight. We fight it in prayer. Calling on God to come down with his great mighty hand. But look at what the devil says to him. And I will give you all these things. If you just fall down. Come on. Just fall down. Come on, Jesus. Just, just fall down and just give me the worship me. Come on, Jesus. I'll give it all to you. You don't got to suffer. You don't got to go to no cross. You can just fall down and just give me worship. 
just sing unto me, hail Satan, hail Lucifer, whatever he wants to be called. That's all a hip hop rap concert is, it's just worshiping Lucifer. Took me a long time to understand that. I will get to that later. That's all it is. The whole song is about what? What's the mind that hip hop song about? Murder. What did Jesus say Satan was? He was a what? Murderer. See, but that's all it is. Kill, kill. But he said, fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God. And here's the word again, and serve only him. But you can see, Satan said, I got the world, and I own the world, and if you worship me, make a pact with me, I'll make you famous. You'll sell all your records. <laughs> You'll be a bestseller. Guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, he said, as long as I get that soul from you at the end, and a whole lot of other people coming with you. But if you just want to be famous and rich, Pretty sure old Slootfoot Lucifer would love to make a pact with you. That's his thing. But you hear what Jesus says to him. No, should worship the Lord the God only and serve him. And this Greek word here is latruo instead of latria, which means to serve. And so in view of the mercies of God and delivering us out of Egypt, the world, we now seek to do all we can in this life to serve him with our entire body, proclaiming the praises of him who delivered us out of darkness and has brought us to the light, promised land, to whereby we worship him. But what is the motivation that propels us right now here tonight, practically, what is the motivation that propels us to live for God? To offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. What is that motivation that will grant us and give us to, 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 to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice that will propel us to live for God? This is why I say we must and we shall, we gotta understand in view of the mercy of God, that we got to understand the mercy of God. Because that, my brothers and sisters, it is the motivation. And it is only the motivation that will propel you and I to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. These mercies that Paul is referring to, notice it's the word mercies, not mercy. It's plural. And it refers to how God has been good to us in, in many ways, in, in manifold ways. That's why we can't start it out. Do we even understand what it is that God has done for us? This is why I started out with my own story by telling you when I was, met Sandra, my, my glasses were broken. She was reminding me I had an old Lincoln, I don't know, it was a Lincoln Continental, and, and I don't know, back in the day, they used to have the airbags, and the airbags had blown out, it cost like $3,000, I didn't have no money, so I was riding around Grand Rapids like a lowrider before it was famous on the West Coast, I had it on the Midwest, and I couldn't go no faster than like 10 miles per hour, 
broken glasses. Some of y'all say, man, Pastor Hardy, <laughs> yeah. Been there and done that. That's not even Sardis. That's just Grand Rapids. Broken down Lincoln, plastic with duct tape on it, and I couldn't see. I don't know how many people I probably hit and, hit and run and left them dead for dead. But God's mercies, <laughs> I'm not in prison today. <laughs> so what's the motivation? It's the mercies of God. His manifold mercies to you and I. May God could just show you all of what he's done for you. If you had great parents, job you have now, house you own, husband or wife you're married to, all of these are the mercies of God. The fact that you're saved, you believe this story called the gospel, and so many other people don't. And we've already talked about that, about it's God's grace that draws us to himself. We would never come to God on our own. It was, that's why the whole story is about Egypt. Egypt is a Fort Knox. No one is sneaking out of Egypt. God has to come with his outstretched hand of great power and might and deliver us from Egypt. We would never come out of Egypt. Pharaoh has us in bondage. He has too many troops. He has too many demons. He has all, he has all the power on his side. We are bound Dead in our sins and trespasses, Ephesians 2 says. So God has to, who's rich in mercy with his great power, he has to come to us in order to deliver us out of Egypt. And because of that, and now Paul says, in view of the mercies of God, in his manifold ways, Paul says, you present your body as a living sacrifice. Let's put the text back up in um, Romans chapter 12. In view of these mercies, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The first word he says is holy. Hegos. It's the word holy. It means to be separated. Separate. You are not like others. You are the children of God. My spirit now resides and lives in you. If you're a Christian, you are not like the world. And this is where I'm going to slow it down, because this is where church has got it twisted. There are some people who really don't understand this Christian thing, especially the young generation. You are to be holy, set apart. You are not like NBA young boy. You're not like any of your favorites, R&B, whoever they are. You are a different person. I'm going to make this plain. This is why you got to understand the mercies of God. Who are you? You are holy. God is not flipping over his words. He, he wants you to understand that you've been called out of Egypt. You are no longer to act like the Egyptians. You can't, you, you have been called out of Egypt not to act like Egypt. Why would he call you out of Egypt for you to act like Egypt? That don't even make sense. Call you out of Egypt for you to act like Egypt. For you to do everything Egypt does. That don't make sense. Christian means to be separate, different. 
The old song by my friend Two Chains. Pull up on the scene, top down, and what does he say? Come on, y'all, help me out. He says, What? I'm different. Now, he ain't talking about Hagios. <laughs> Holy. I know Two Chain. I, I listen to him. That's not what he's talking about. But he, I get the point. I put up on the scene and I'm different. You should be different if God is in you, if you're a child of God. That's the point I'm trying to make. Different. Separated. Not like others. You are a child of God, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession. That's why I had Tad read that text from 1 Peter 2. Your royal priesthood. Holy nation, a people for his possession. And then it says, and pleasing to God. That you and I sacrifices, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices because of the mercy of God. And in that we should be pleasing and acceptable. What we do, we want to be a sweet aroma to God acceptable and we now live to please God in all things that's what it means to be a Christian doesn't mean you are you and I are perfect but it means now where once you were not a child of God but now you are at one time you and I were dead in our sins we went about doing and following the course of this air the prince of the air which is Satan Pharaoh, the God of this world, but now we're the children of God. And now we seek to please him in all of what we do and say, to be pleasing in his sight, to be acceptable. And now we please look to please God in all things. Where? In this world. And looking forward to the world to come as well. We look to please God with our body. And so I'm calling this part of the sermon series, how should we then live in view of the mercies of God? How then shall we live? Well, verse two of Romans calls us into this spiritual, this spiritual fight. I got here spiritual war. Some of you, let me tell you, there is a real war going on, more real than the war that you see in the physical with Iraq and us and other nations that are fighting. There is a real war going on, a real spiritual war. And Paul says in Romans 2, 1, 2, Paul calls us into this spiritual war, the real fight that is happening at every level of age. Doesn't matter. As soon as the children are born, this fight is on. So I'm going to get real messy. That's what pastors are for. They're to correct. They're to rebuke. That's just not to pat you on your shoulders a little bit. They do that too. Because you know why you need pastors to do that? Because we won't tell ourselves this stuff. Because the world tastes good. It looks good. It sounds good. They have the best everything. So you need pastors and elders and deacons and members of the body to spur us on to good works, to fight the good fight of faith against the world that's, that's coming at us. 
The fight is real. This fight is coming from all social media platforms. If you're on Instagram, man, that's like going into, if there's levels to this war, and there's one being a baby war, and two being a war, and third being a, then Instagram is like a 100% war for a man. If you just go in there, man, you better have your prayer life up. Why? I'm just telling you the truth. That's like going into Solomon Gomorrah on steroids. Somebody said the other day, whoever came up with Instagram, it had to come from Satan. You can't compete with that. So I got here, if you, all social media platforms, but I'm just picking on Instagram. All news outlets, college academics and universities, music from all genres, movies, sitcoms, fraternities, and the whole world. You are in a fight. This is why I want to slow down. I didn't just want to get to verse two and just go over your head because right now, I'm going to want to be honest with you. If you try to, Dion, come here for a second. Let me use Dion. I told Dion, you know, some of y'all, you know, I know Dion getting married in July. I said, man, he, I saw him on Wednesday night. I could pick with Dion. You know, he lives with me and stuff like that. So, and he had just got a haircut. I said, man, that's a good looking dude right there. <laughs> but, but, I, but that ain't going to be good looking. But this is going to be, so, so I'm going to use this as, as a, look that way, Dion. Don't look at me. Look at me. That way. <laughs> so here's what I'm about to do. Right now, it's hard to tell in this generation who a Christian is. Because we're, all, we're standing next to each other and Dion is in the world. I'm in the church, but let's be honest. Most people who have said it in church act like this guy right here. It's not, you can't tell any difference. How is that happening? It's all of what Paul, God has done in Christ in the mercies of God for to go through all of this, for this guy and this guy to look the same in all of their actions. In other words, this guy over here, he's listening to this. This guy here is listening to the same music he listens to. He's watching the same videos. He's going to the same concerts. He's cursing the same. He's having sex with his girlfriends and boyfriends. What is different? Now, do we believe that Jesus went through all of this for me to be like this guy? So why is it happening? You can go sit down. <laughs> I had to keep, that, keep him humble a little bit because he was looking good this weekend taking those pictures, so I had to mess with him a little bit. So why is that happening? I want to slow it down because here's what Paul says. Paul's next verse in verse 2 is a command. I have here in my notes, imperative to the children of God. Remember, we, we switched the corner in chapter 8 of Romans. We first it said it was God's message to the world. And now we're saying God's message to the church, God's message to his children. Those who profess to know Christ. Paul is writing this to the church. 
He's not writing this to the world. He's not writing this to Egypt, telling Egypt, don't be like Egypt. He's writing to the church and to the children of God, don't be conformed. It's the first word he says in this command. Don't be conformed. This word conformed meaning imitating the patterns and the behaviors being molded to the customs of the day. Don't be like the world. And the word he uses, the word age, is ion. It means this present age. What's happening now that's totally anti-God? Paul says, don't be conformed to it. Don't imitate it. Don't imitate the systems of practice and the standards associated with a secular society. A society devoid of God and his ways. But why is it that most Christians, I tell you what is happening. We've skipped over discipleship. We make this a joke, a game. We take it. When I say, I told you, it starts with the cross. If that don't mean anything, what did he die for? Church don't make sense. If all church is is for you to get your blessing then I'm done. Meet me at the beach. That's the danger of it. But Paul says, don't be conformed, church. And Paul has already spelled out in Romans 1, 18 to 32, where he spells out the things that are crazy in the Roman world, the Greco-Roman world. Sexual impurity is normalized. Paul says in verse 29, they are filled with all unrighteousness, evil and greed and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit and malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, God haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to their parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving and unmerciful. And they're engaging in all kinds of gender bending. Same sex, whatever. It's all right there in Romans chapter one. You can go read it tonight when you get home. It's all there. Paul says to the Romans, don't be conformed. And this is important for us now because you got to know the present age that's encroaching upon your mind. Many of you are millennials. So I know. And I know anything about millennials. And see, what y'all don't know, God told me I was going to be pastoring millennials. If I know anything about millennials, standing on absolute truth is hard for you. It just goes against how you've been made. You just, it's hard for you because you want to have a truth that fits all truths. Then if that's the case, then Jesus is not the truth and the way and the life. But there is the truth. And Paul goes on to say, don't be conformed to this world. And this is a world that is yearning for us to worship its values and customs. And then Paul goes to the other command. He says, do not be conformed, but be transformed. This transformed word here is metamorphoo 
which we get our English word metamorphosis, which means a change of the form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different one by natural or supernatural means. For us, the work of God changing us from the, from the way that we used to be and to who we are it is a work of the supernatural power of God alone. Only God can change us. And this word metamorphosis is where we see how a caterpillar changes into what? A butterfly. How is that going to happen? Or a tadpole to a frog. God says, I want you to be different. And you can't make yourself different by your own power and by your own grace, but by the power and the grace of God. That's what Romans 8 is all about. It is God that reaches down in Egypt and transforms us. But here's where it turns the corner. It's not by osmosis that he does this transformation. You from a tadpole to a frog. You and I from the people we used to be to who we are now tonight. Paul says this transformation comes through the renewing of your mind. This word renew means to cause something to become new and different on the inside. But you can also see it on the outside. This is a renewal of something. And Paul says renewal of what? This is where the fight is. This is where the war is. Paul says this, this fight is for the renewing of your mind. The Greek word is noose. It's, for, it's your mind. That's the battleground. It's your mind. It's my mind. It's our mind. It's the battleground. It's where we get our thoughts from. It's how we think. Before you go somewhere, you have to think it first. It's all in the mind. So Paul says this, this transformation, this metamorphosis, it's the renewal of the mind. It's in the mind. This renewing starts with a commitment of offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. It starts there. You have to meditate. You have to survey the wonders of the cross. Some of y'all may have saw my post. That's what I was getting at. So you got to think about the cross. You got to survey. The word survey is to think on it. Meditate upon it. You have to survey the wonders of the cross. The mercies of God. It's not just something you just can, you can just blow it off. No, you got to think about, does that story really mean anything to you? Because that's where the mercy flows from. And as you and I think on it, and then we offer ourselves and we commit ourselves and our bodies by offering them as a living sacrifice. We were alive. We're not dead. We're not robots. We are living, meaning it's a you and I working with the grace and the spirit of God. God is saying, go to Bible study. Come to church. Be faithful. Say, that's the, listen to me, guys. Satan would never tell you to come to church unless he wants you to go there and pick on the pastor or his wife or somebody else. Stir it up. 
But he would never go tell you, go in there, sit and listen and hear the word of God and just be quiet and hear the word of God. Satan don't even talk like that. You notice every time five o'clock comes, what happens? You've been up all day cooking and singing songs, cutting grass, doing all kinds of stuff. As soon as 4.30 comes, what happens? You get what? You get sleepy, right? Now, where's that coming from? You've been up all day. And all of a sudden, oh, Urban Hope's starting at 5 o'clock. <laughs> or some friend you ain't talked to in 200 years. Abraham Lincoln calls you. Hey, man, how you doing? Man, where you been? DMing you. It's all a distraction. That's what Satan does. You have to present. You've got to commit to it. But it's, that commitment comes from reflecting on the mercy of God. It's where you and I get the motivation. It's where the motivation comes from because of the mercies of God. But then it gets better. As you and I commit, and we present our bodies as living sacrifices. Paul says that we may discern, that we may discern. This Greek word here is dokomizo. It means to try to learn the genuineness of something by examination and testing, often through actual use. Let me, let me break it down slow. The way this thing works with God is not a classroom only learning. You have to really do it. You are never going to know what marriage is all about unless you just do it. <laughs> Talk to the those who have been married who did it on the wrong side, the wrong way, and we will tell you marriage is much better, but we had to do it. We had to jump the broom. We couldn't just say, well, you know what? We seen so many people get divorced. We seen Kanye and Kim get divorced. Oh no, I'm never gonna get married. I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna skip over sexual immorality because I don't really want to hear that. And I ain't gonna go to Urban Hope because PE is always talking about it. I'm gonna go hear my man over here because he's talking about getting your blessings and he never brings it up. So I'm gonna leave PA alone. No, what it means is, in order that you may discern, that you may, you have to put it into practice. God is saying, trust me, I'm real deal. You think Floyd Mayweather real? God said, trust me. And see if I will not show you who I am. Me, I wish somebody would have preached like this to me when I was 19 and 20. It could have saved me a heartache. I would have just waited for Sister Sandy, but I ain't hear this kind of stuff. And so I went and made my own ways and paid a price for it. Instead of doing what God say to do. So it says, this dokomizo, it means to learn the genuineness of something by examination and testing. You have to put it to use when you're reading the word of God. If God made marriage and you the first thing you see in Genesis 2, then you got to ask yourself, God must know something I don't know. And God said, yeah, trust me, it's going to be a lot better than what you think it is. You ain't going to be like the NBA players paying all that child support. Listen to me, young man. Don't go that way. But you know what a lot of them guys do? Oh, no, man. <laughs> I'm gonna, I ain't trying to be cooked naked with one woman. I'm going to go on Instagram. I want them all. 
And then you see them later on broken than a $2 bill. They're like me. They got broken glasses. They don't have the Gucci no more. They just got the Gucci. Goo <laughs> All that money gone to child support. Man, what happened to your Gucci? No, man, they took the Gucci. I made up a new name. It's kind of Gucci. <laughs> but look what it says. That you may discern, Dokomizo, what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. And here's why I want to break this down. I got three minutes. You hear all the time, and I've heard it here as well. I want to know the purpose of God for my life. I want to know the will of God. Pastor, help me out. What's my will? <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing? I'm going to answer it for you. You want to know the will of God? Yeah, yeah, I want to know the will of God. I want to know. I want to know what God has for me to do on this earth. Since I only got a short period of time. What's the will of God, Pastor Alton? How do I find the will of God? So this is what it's getting at. So that you may discern what is the good and pleasing will, perfect will of God. So how do you get there? Young people, hear me. It's a process. Which starts with, first, it starts with leaving Egypt when you hear the voice of God. Hearten out your heart and come. You're not going to find the will of God, I tell you that, in Egypt, acting like an Egyptian. So the first part is hear his heart, his voice, and come, repent, I'm a sinner, Jesus, I need your grace. That's the first mark of learning and finding and discerning the will of God. Repent and come to Jesus. That's the first part. There are too many people in Egypt looking for the will of God. I can tell you what that is. That's called insanity. That's what Satan, Satan is crazy. And that means this. Satan just got them going around in circles. I see them all the time. My friends, they 50 years old. New girlfriend every two or three years. They ain't never learning. <laughs> it's called insanity. Because that's what sin is. Sin is insane. It makes you crazy. That's the first part. As you come out, you submit right where you are to the word of God as it comes to you. And God is very particular about your sins than he are about someone else's sins. Because each of us have our own particular sins that we struggle with. And this is where I tell you my story. We're in the urban ministry. Urban ministry in the hood. We deal with particular situations that most ministers don't deal with. And I tell young people to come to me here. I say, you are not going to be any good to Urban Hope and doing the work on the front lines if you don't get Snoop Doggy Dog out of your soul. That's why I said I started off with the rap. So what you don't know, rap wasn't just a crown because you were here. It's been here for a long time. And when I was your age, I loved the most gangsterous, cursing, human, women, <laughs> downgrading that you can call it. And I remember when God came to me 
Because I was like this in church. But soon as I look, some of y'all got in my truck, like Dion put up the other day, he putting his business out there, but he had put a little 12 in there. I heard his bass. I said, man, I'm going to go to Best Buy and get me two 12. The Lord said, man, you're 54 years since you put down somewhere. <laughs> but I was almost out of the Best Buy. I said, go get me some 12s. Because I want to wake up the block with, I don't know who I'm listening to these days, but it ain't, it ain't some of the stuff. We're moving on. <laughs> but when I was in my youthful days, I was like everybody else. That's what I listened to. It was what had shaped me. Too Short, Dr. Dre, you name it. I was no different than y'all. And God says, I want to use you. I didn't see all of this. You're going to be dealing with young black men 20 years ago. Because God can see everything. You got to get rid of this music out of your heart. But I was hooked on it. I like the beats. You can't tell me gin and juice ain't got no nice beat to it. Because I will battle you on it. It does. Especially if you got some good kickers in your truck, like I do. I got the video etched in my mind. I can remember Snoop backing up against the wall, laid back. I got it in me. I watched the videos every day. But Jesus said, I ain't laid back like that. <laughs> you gonna have to get, some, get that out of you. But Lord, <laughs> I'm like you. And it wasn't as nowhere near it what it is now. We had some consciousness in it. Now it's on murder right from the gate. And it's part of what we see happening in our community. So what are you going to say if you're listening to the same music? What are you going to say to Honeycomb Brazy, who just had his grandparents murdered, burnt up in a house? When you are gouging on the same stuff that he's putting out. And what God told me, you're different. And that was a tug of war for some years. See, you're alive. You're not a robot. You have to offer yourself to God. And it was the times of prayer. The Lord, get it out of me. You know what the hardest thing I had to do? I finally had to confess that that music was not coming from God. That was the hardest thing. It was just all about the beat. Some of y'all having daughters now, you say, oh no, it's more than just a beat. Because my daughter's not that. So this is how real this stuff is. God says, no, you're different. Because in the world, in Egypt, that's what everybody's doing. That's what all those kids are listening to at Fairfield School. They're asking us, well, why are we dying? Have you listened to the music you put in your ears? And they don't see the correlation. And God says, I'm going to call you into this. And it took God a long time. And this is the process. And I will tell you, in this metamorphosis, God is picking on something in your life. And he's saying, you got to offer that up. It's movies. It's certain places you hang out at. It's certain lifestyles. It could be fraternities. It could be whatever. God said, lay it down for me. 
So we got a Christianity where we say God don't require nothing. That's not Christianity. That's man-made stuff. This Jesus that we're talking about is demanding full 100% kingship obedience. He said, lay it down. For me, out of my group, get married. We're all having sex. I'm 21. Get married. Marriage is honorable to me. But none of my friends were getting married. And none of them have not gotten married to this day. And in that process, you will discern dokomizo. Hard work by putting into practice, not abstract, and you will come to discern the good, that God is really is good, and that he's pleasing in the perfect will of God. Brothers and sisters, I'm living it. That's the process. But what we've been told and what we're hearing Nothing about us changes in here and somehow God's just going to drop in and drop these grand narratives, perfect will of God into our lives with anything with us not changing. Guys, that is not the Bible. God comes to earth and says, leave. It's a walk of faith. Sometimes you're leaving family members, parents don't understand. Some of y'all moving to Fairfield. Why are you moving to Fairfield? Falking with God will cause even your very family not to look at you funny. You can't just follow God because your mom wants you to or doesn't want you to do something. If that's your idol, God will find it. He can't be tamed. He's God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you tonight for your word. What a sobering word it is. You're doing something great here in this city, in Fairfield. Lord, we want to be different. We want to be different because of your mercies that you've given to us, the manifold mercies. Lord, you've done a lot for us. Just thinking about how you spared my brother Jaquez's life three weeks ago. Lord, it's not only him, but many of us. Things that we've been caught up in, things that could have happened when we was at college, you stepped in and spared us in many ways. And we are here tonight, sitting on this word for such a time as this. Lord, we don't know when that day will be when you will say, this is your last day here on earth. Lord, when you do come, we want to be found ourselves to be faithful in doing the work that you've called us to. And so, Lord, I thank you that as we walk through this Roman series on how then shall we live. Lord, we want to be a church where people see Christians and say there's something different about urban old people, even though they're young. We're not religious in the sense of just being religious, but we are people who fear you and shun evil. We're not judging them, but Lord, they're going to tease us. They're going to call us high and mighty that we're thinking we're better than them. And all. Lord, we know the mocking and the scoffing is going to come. You've told us that it would. But Lord, we are willing. 
we're willing, Lord, to be to endure the mocking. Because, God, we don't want to be conformed to this world. We don't want to be like the Hollywood lights, Lord. Lord, we want to be different. We want to make your name known here in this city. When people experience that of a Christian, Lord, that they would know that we are truly one who are following after you. And they will be drawn to that. Not because of us, but because of you that's in us by your spirit. That you would make yourself so known to us and in us and around us, Lord God. That you would draw all of the people in this community, Lord, who are hurting. People who are looking for love in all the wrong places. Young men are really asking, is this Jesus real? Can he really change my life? Lord, we want to be, be able to share this hope that we have in you. Jesus, you are real. and You changed my life. I know that you are good. I know that you are perfect in all of your ways. I pray you do that for someone else tonight, Lord. That you draw them to yourself. And that they would know too that you are perfect in all of your ways. And I thank you for it tonight. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I know it's a question that many people, the perfect will, want to know the will of God. And I could preach a lot more on this text, but I don't want to belabor it anymore. <laughs>